Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast, brought to you by Small House Farm. If you're looking to celebrate plants and the people that love them, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to be chatting with Jessica Mitchell, who's one of the editors of Mother Earth News Magazine and host of the Mother Earth News and Friends podcast. The interview started out as one of our five question segments, but we just had such a great conversation going. We really covered a ton of cool stuff. I've been on Jessica's podcast a bunch of times, so it was extra cool to finally get her onto our show. After the interview, I'm going to be talking a little bit about seed saving and some of the seeds that we're already harvesting this spring here at Small House. But before we jump into it, as always, I just want to take a second to say thank you to everyone that supported the podcast, whether that's just sharing us with your friends, leaving us reviews on Apple, joining our Patreon, whatever it might be. We appreciate you. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a rating or a review or a thumbs up on YouTube. It's all good. Whatever you want to do. And of course, you could join our Patreon to get exclusive content, products from our apothecary, seeds from our garden, all sorts of groovy things. You can find that link down in the show notes or on our website, seedsandweedspodcast.com. All right, now let's go chat with Jessica. Jessica Mitchell is an editor for Ogden Publications, where she helps to produce issues of Mother Earth News and Grit Magazine. She's also the host of the Mother Earth News and Friends podcast. Jessica moved from Pennsylvania to Kansas in 2017, when she first started working for Ogden, and she quickly fell in love with the small towns, beautiful prairie, and open skies. Though she does miss those Pennsylvania mountains. Outside of editing, Jessica enjoys reading and writing, wandering the Kansas trails, small space gardening, and brewing a delicious cup of coffee. Today, Jessica joins us on the podcast to answer five questions. Jessica Mitchell, how are you doing today, my friend? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I got to say this is extra exciting for me uh, because I've been on your podcast, the Mother Earth News and Friends, a number of times, but now you're finally on my show, uh, like on the other end of the microphone, right? Yes, I know. It's so strange to be on the other side. (laughs) Now, we're going to do five questions today, but before we get into all of those, um, you and I first connected through the Mother Earth News, and I know that you wear a lot of different hats over there, Ogden Publications. You're an mm-hmm. editor, you host the podcast, you do the Mother Earth News Fair. So mm-hmm. to get started, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about the work you do at Ogden and all the different hats that you wear. Absolutely. So officially, my title is managing editor over at Ogden Publications. I've been working there for close to six years now. And like you were saying, Bevan, I I get to have my hands on a lot of different projects. So one of my main focuses is helping with the production of some of our magazines that we publish. And the big ones are Mother Earth News and Grit Magazine. So Mother Earth News, I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard of it. Hopefully it's focused on sustainable living, self-sufficiency, community gardening, all types of stuff. It's been around for a long, long time. So I get to help edit the articles on that and help put the issue together. And then Grit Magazine is focused a lot on rural lifestyles, a lot of farming, animals, preparedness, survival skills. It's really fun publication. So I get to help with that as well. And then we also have a Mother Earth News and Friends podcast that has been around for a few years now. Uh, I started taking over some more of the managerial roles uh, more recently. 
but I've been doing some behind the scenes editing on it for a few years now. And that's really where we get to just interview all the experts that we have the privilege of featuring in our magazines or meeting at our fairs. And so we just sit down with these experts and we interview them on all these different topics to help our listeners lead, live their best lives. So everything from small scale gardening or big time farming, house plants, herbal health. Bevan, you've been on quite a number of times talking about herbs and seed saving. And it's just really great to to interview people for that. And then, yeah, I also get to be at the fair sometimes and do some uh, podcast recording, take pictures, learn, connect with people. I just get to learn a lot of new skills that way. So it's a really fun job. It does sound fun. It sounds like you're super busy, but everything that you're doing sounds like it's really enjoyable. Oh, absolutely. It's it's such a great job. And, and I love being able to learn and have my feet on the ground in so many different areas. So how many other magazines does Ogden Publications make? Yeah, so we have quite a few. Uh, we have Mother Earth News and Grit. Those are some two of our really big titles. But we also just welcome some new publications into the family. We have Countryside Magazine, Backyard Poultry we've had for a while, and that merged with another poultry magazine. We have Goat Keeping. We have Backyard Beekeeping. And we also have some other microsites. Mother Earth Living's one of them. I mentioned Backyard Poultry. There's so many. There are so many of them. <laughs> that is awesome. I didn't realize that. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Okay. Now let's get to know Jessica a little bit outside of work at your home and in your gardens, what you're growing. Tell us a little bit more about that sort of thing. Sure. So I I find what's really cool right now for me is that I'm not maybe the typical like gardener or farmer in the sense of maybe when we think of gardening and farming, we might automatically think of someone with some huge acreage or a big piece of property. And and that's really great to have. But I actually, you know, I didn't come from a a gardening or a farming background at all. And so when I started working for Ogden, I got to learn a lot of ways of how I can be that type of person. How can I keep plants and live sustainably and and find some self-reliance just in apartment dwellings? Because that's where I am right now. I live in town. I I don't own any property at the moment. Um, That's just where I am in life. And so um, I've been able to just learn what it means to be a small space gardener. And that's been really fun. So I've been learning more how to have a container garden wherever I'm at, whatever area I'm living in. Um, And then I really just love leaning into hobbies that also just happen to inform my job as an editor. So I really love doing things like how to make things from scratch. Bread baking is something I I really love doing. I make bread, I think, once a week, probably, um, because I just love bread so much. (laughs) Uh, But I'll also like learning about cheese making. Bevan, honestly, like you talking about home pressed oils has gotten me so inspired to make that myself. (laughs) Oh, cool. So I'm getting married in October and I literally was like, okay, if I have to make a registry, I'm going to ask for things like how to like a butter churn or (laughs) an oil press. Those are the types of things that I want if people are going to want to give us a gift. (laughs) That's the Um, coolest registry ever, I bet. It makes me excited. I'm like, well, like these are the types of things that I want to lean into. So I love just being outdoors. I'm I'm really loving learning how to identify plants and also just like birding and learning bird calls and what the local birds around Kansas look like. Those are just some of my my passions that I, I really just enjoy doing. And it ends up being something I can apply to my job as well. So you said you're growing in containers in a small space because you're in an apartment. Give us a little bit of a rundown maybe of 
some of the things that you might have growing out on your balcony right now? So right now I am just starting a new container garden. I recently moved. And so I'm like in the process of understanding what can grow in this type of environment now, because now I have a little bit of like outdoor deck space outside the front door. And this is the first time I have like a huge overhang over it. And so it's really great, like for people in the summer, you can, you know, sit outside and you don't get super, super hot or like, you know, you have protection in the rain and everything. But for plants, it's kind of like, okay, how, like what things can grow in that environment? You know, I lean a little bit more into like some of the herbal side of things. So right now I'm just getting started with some mint julep. And I mean, honestly, mint has always been something that makes me feel like a really good gardener because I feel like you can just leave it alone and it'll still be really nice to you. (laughs) It definitely boosts the confidence, right? Yes. So I'm growing some of that. Um, I'm trying to see if basil will do well. Um, That one's a little trickier. Today, my basil plant seemed like doing pretty well, but like the other day, it seemed like it wasn't getting what it needed. So I've been kind of like moving it around to different parts of the deck in a way that's not going to block all of the other apartment dwellers, but can still, you know, uh, be good for the container plants. And and then I also started growing uh, for the first time some Hungarian wax peppers. So that's a very new plant to me, but I'm starting with those ones and then seeing how many more plants I can add without anybody complaining in my unit. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I am right now. And, and in the past, I've ha- I've lived in places where I've gotten like full direct sun all the time. So I was able to grow some other ones. But this time around, I'm kind of starting off with a little bit of an experiment and just seeing, you know, what types of plants can get like the right amount of sun and where should I be placing them outside? That's awesome. All right. Now let's do the five questions. There's going to be no follow-up questions. We're just going to do straight up five questions right into it. Are you ready to do it? All right. Let's do it. All right. Number one, if you had to pick a favorite plant or plant family, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh. I would have to say, you know, the first thing that pops in my head, I am going to say mint. It's just been so nice to me and I can use it for so many things. It's so prolific. Um, It's a thing that has always been like a comfort plant to me. Wherever I am, I can I always feel like I can grow mint. So I'm going to say mint. That's an awesome answer. I don't think I've had anybody say that. I get tomatoes a lot. Just like you said, you know, it's something that you can grow everywhere. It's comforting and it's useful and delicious and smells good. And yeah, that's a good one. All right. Number two, what is uh, one of your most recent garden successes? Recent garden successes actually have to do more with my houseplant collection. So I kind of see it as like the indoor garden of my house. So when I moved a few months ago, I was trying to be really deliberate of not losing any of my houseplants. And we got a lot of great sunlight and I started observing where that sunlight was coming in from. And I found just like the perfect spot for every houseplant and all of them have been doing so well. And that was the first time I really felt such a success as a house plant keeper that I could know my plants that well and just knew exactly where they all needed to go to have a really good life. And and all of them are just thriving right now. Knock on wood. (laughs) But that felt like a really big success to me, especially when you move plants from like one location to another. And that can be such a big stress on them sometimes. Absolutely. I love that you said like an indoor garden because that's what houseplants really are. And when we talk about gardening, you know, we often don't even think about houseplants. Yeah, I know. Sometimes like we always think of it. It's just something that you kind of throw 
in your house to just look pretty. But I feel like, you know, you can approach that with a little bit more like deliberation and really make it work so that like you're really enjoying them and they're like are in a relationship with you. They're not just sitting on a shelf gathering some dust. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. They're not just decorations. You know, I tend to think of houseplants. Maybe I take them for granted, too. It's just nice to have something green in the house in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. So let's flip that question and do the opposite. What is a recent garden failure? And more specifically, what is the lesson that you learned from a recent garden failure? Yeah. So the one that I could think of was actually from this past summer. So I was living in a in a different place. I, I was actually renting from a friend in a conjoined house. So we had more yard space to work with. And so I was doing some joint gardening with her and I decided I wanted to host some leaf cutter bees for the summer. And I was so excited about it. We rented it um, and got the little you know house for the leaf cutter bees. I hung it up and that was kind of my project for the summer. And it was really fun. Like, you know, our the ones that had come in the box, like were there for the summer, they were doing so great. And then they laid, you know, their their eggs and they built their little nests inside the holes. And I remember one day I was going through the garden and, and checking out everything. And I noticed this little wasp on top of the nest box of the leaf cutter bees. And I was a little like, mm, like, I don't know what it's doing over there. Like, it looks like it's, you know, just looking around for something. And my first, I had this gut instinct of like, maybe I should like, you know, see if I need to protect my leaf cutter bees. And the other part of me was like, I, I think it'll probably just fly away, you know? And it was a very like, you know, novice kind of decision maker moment for me. And so, you know, I ended up just leaving it be. And then I came back, you know, probably within that same week. And I saw that so many of the holes had been like, obviously like tampered with. And so I wasn't there to be able to hundred percent say like, yes, that that wasp particularly had gone in and probably, you know, parasitized the larvae. But most likely that's probably one of the things that happened because that is one of the main predators of leafcutter bees is, you know, you can have wasps that will come in and and will lay their little larvae in there. So then it'll overwinter and then it'll take over that larvae. And, and that's just one of the things that happens. So the lesson I learned was like to listen to my little gut questioning and, you know, to, to jump in sooner rather than later. Otherwise, I'm going to learn a hard lesson, which is, you know, nature can act very quickly and uh, will take its course. And the wasp was just being a wasp. You know, I'm not I'm not angry at it. Well, that's a tough lesson to learn the hard way, you know. Yes, it is. And But, you know, I'll never forget it. So. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, let's look at something more positive. And let's say, what is the current project that you're working on that you are very excited about? Honestly, the thing I've been really leaning into right now is just kind of that idea of how can I live? sustainably and in, you know, this urban apartment type of environment. So uh, apart from trying to make, you know, a balcony garden, how can I utilize some skills in the apartment I'm living in to feel more like sustainable? Um, And I wouldn't even say like 100% self-reliant, but especially in like a more urban environment, how can I lean on the community and like utilize the resources that are around or create some connections so that new sustainable systems can benefit in 
the community. So one of the more recent things is I was doing some research on composting because, you know, right now I don't have a huge garden. And so that compost doesn't really have anywhere to go. Even if I do develop my own system, you know, there's that method where, you know, you can create some of that stuff on your own. But like for me, I'm like, I don't really have any place to put it. And so I was really excited to find that in, in my community, there are some like food cycle systems where you can be part of a bucket program and, you know, take a ton of different like food scraps and stuff and collect it over the week. And then you bring it back to uh, uh, the bucket program swap and they'll take that and, and use it in their larger gardens and distribute it throughout like the city of Kansas City and community. And I thought that was so cool. And so seeing that like sustainable living doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're doing everything on your own within your own closed system. It's it can also be this like relationship you have with other people in the community and how that can benefit more than just you. Cooperative composting. That's very, very cool. Yeah, I was really excited. That is exciting. That's that's a really cool thing. But really, the big idea that you're saying here, this be sustainable and to improve the world and, and be in tune with the natural environment isn't really an individual task. It's a community task. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, at, at work at Mother Earth News that I've I've learned a lot, too. We always talk about we do talk about self-reliance and and that is good to, to have that confidence that, you know, you can take care of your your family or yourself to some degree and you have those resources and knowledge. Uh, that's great. But we also talk about can do communities and how no one accomplishes anything alone or in isolation. And that is a huge component to it. So, um, you know, wherever anybody is, you know, it's not necessarily always about living completely zero waste all on your own and doing everything by yourself. It's taking little steps at a time to get to like the best life that you can picture for yourself. You know, that's one of my favorite things about the Mother Earth News Fair is, you know, I'll come there to teach about the particular topics that I'm I'm well versed in, things that I know very, very well. But I get to meet all these folks that know all these other skills that are, are new to me, I'm a novice at, that are all equally as important. And we kind of come together like a community there to share these skills and this knowledge and these ideas with each other. What's one of my favorite things about the event. It's just so cool to see all these people come together and share their experiences. And then we all walk away with with new ideas and, and better homesteaders, better gardeners, whatever it might be. And it's, you know, it's again, that idea of building that community. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And that's one of my favorite parts about the fairs. All right. So what is a project that you're not personally involved in, but you're still really excited about? So who is your shout out today? Oh, my shout out today. I mean, I, I probably have to shout out some other other staff members at Mother Earth News who I'm just so excited to um hear about some of the things they're doing. And, and on, so on Honestly, I, I would love to shout out the fair today. I know they're really leaning into a lot of great stuff. We have fairs in Erie, Pennsylvania and West Bend, Wisconsin coming up. And uh, West Bend, Wisconsin is a new location. And so I was so excited to hear we were getting a new location for the fair. And it's just a whole new audience that we can reach and connect with. And so, yeah, I'm just like super excited for all the stuff that's happening over at the fairs. I, I had to give that shout out. <laughs> oh, that's a good one for sure. I totally dig it. And Jessica, that is the end of five questions. Uh, if folks would like to listen to the podcast, Mother Earth News and Friends, or learn more about the Mother Earth News Fair, or subscribe to their favorite Ogden publications, what are the links that they need to know? All right, I'll give them to you. So the podcast, uh, all you have to do is go to MotherEarthNews.com slash podcast. That's where you can find all of our podcasts, and you can also find them on listening platforms, wherever you are. Uh, you can follow Mother Earth News at MotherEarthNews.com, but you can also get involved in our social media there. If you follow um, Mother Earth News on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just search Mother Earth News and 
and you'll find us. That's a great way to just see what we're doing across the board and a lot of different things. We promote the podcasts and the fairs on that platform. And the same thing with Grit Magazine. You can go to grit.com to check out our online content. And it's the same thing with all our other titles. Countryside is iamcountryside.com and you can follow them on social media as well. I love it. Now I'm going to ask another question. Is there a t-shirt that says I am countryside? Ooh, I don't know. I have not seen it if we have one. I do know we have a lot of Mother Earth News t-shirts, but countryside, if we don't have it, that's a really great idea. And we might have to put that in the works. (laughs) If it happens, I want one. I know it's a great t-shirt. I know we have like love your mother and and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's pretty fun. And can we get those online for folks that want to get one of those t-shirts? Yes. So if you go to all of our online websites have stores connected to it. So if you go to something like Grit, there's a little button on the home screen that says store, but you could also just do something like store.motherearthnews.com and that'll take you directly to our Mother Earth News store. And we have a section for like merchandise. So we have hats and t-shirts if people want to buy those. But then we also have a bunch of other stuff there. So gardening tools, lots of books that are all like selected by our staff and approved to be sold on our stores. So a lot of great stuff. That is awesome. And I'm going to put all of those links that you mentioned down in the show notes so folks can find them. Jessica, thank you again for being on the podcast with us. It was a blast. Thank you so much. I had such a great time talking with you, Bevan, and thanks for having me on. That was so much fun. Now, you should consider joining us at a Mother Earth News Fair this year. It is always such a great event. If you think the fair might be too far from home and you don't want to make the trip, that's all right. They have an online fair that's just loaded with great workshops and presentations from gardeners and foragers and homesteaders from all over the country. I'm going to put a link down in the show notes if you want to check out the in-person or online fairs. Uh, Now, this is an affiliate link. So if you sign up for something utilizing our link, we do get a small percentage back. But either way, we just want you to check out the fair because I know that you're going to love everything that the Mother Earth News Fair has to offer. Now, the gardens here at Small House are really starting to take off. We've had so much lettuce to harvest already. I mean, we're eating salads like every day. It's awesome. But we've also started harvesting seeds from the garden, too. I know that we typically think of seed saving as a fall activity. And sure, a lot of it happens towards the end of the garden season. But some of our earliest spring crops and our biennials that we overwintered, they're already producing seed that needs to be collected. I've gathered lots of seeds already from the Kamatsuna that we grew last year. It's a delicious Japanese mustard green. We originally got our seeds through Baker Creek. We grew a pretty good-sized patch of it, and uh, most of it overwintered wintered fine, and we are up to our elbows in seed already this spring. We're also starting to collect seeds from the spigarello that we planted earlier this spring. Now, this is an old type of broccoli, tiny little heads, mostly leafy greens, but it was so good. I'm pretty stoked to be getting all the seeds from that. We're probably going to be planting some of those seeds later this summer for a fall crop too. I'm just getting started on a new writing project. It's seed saving related, and it got me flipping through my old book, Saving Our Seeds. If you're not familiar with it, Saving Our Seeds is a book that we published back in 2019. It's a seed saving how-to guide, but it also features stories from some of my favorite seed keepers that I've met traveling around. It's been a minute since I flipped through this book and I kind of forgot how good it is. So I'm going to wrap up the show today by reading an excerpt from the book. This is actually going to be the intro, the first page from my book, Saving Our Seeds. As gardeners, we all know that our annual adventures in the soil can leave us tired, dirty, sometimes frustrated. But we also know the rush that comes with seeing the first sprout pushing its way free from the soil. The sheer pleasure of beautiful flowers waving in the wind on a warm summer day and the indescribable ecstasy of a bountiful harvest. Baskets full of produce, covering our dinner tables and filling our pantries. We also know that while the garden may challenge and reward us, if we take the time to observe and to listen, 
It can also be our greatest teacher. Our gardens will teach us patience and humility. We learn about sharing and reciprocity. We also learn about the significance and importance of death, part of the cycle of life. When we harvest and save our seeds from our garden crops, we become an active part of the cyclical nature of being. As gardeners and seed savers, we are stewards of the soil, keepers of the seed, singers of the song of life. No other work on this earth is as important. As you enter the realm of the seed saver, this book will serve as your guide. Within its pages, you'll find instructions on how and when to harvest seed from dozens of different species, as well as how to process and store these miraculous bundles of life. We'll delve into the philosophy of seed keeping and its role in the resurgence of localized food systems. You'll read the stories of many gifted seed stewards and learn what inspired each of them to take their first steps along this path. As you turn these pages, you join us in the circle and together we journey forward. And here we are at the end of another show. Big thanks to Jessica Mitchell for being our guest today and to all of you for tuning in. If you'd like to get a copy of my book, Saving Our Seeds, you can find it wherever books are sold, as well as at smallhousefarm.com. This episode was edited and produced by all of us here at Small House Farm. Remember, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can always subscribe to our Patreon. That link and many more can be found in the show notes and at seedsandweedspodcast.com. The music you're listening to right now is Bossa Nova Elevator by Less FM. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen, and we'll see you next time. Howdy, friends. Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the Whole Seed Catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.